Witness accounts, the very high number of transplant surgeries, low wait time, and certainly the China Tribunal made these points as well, make it clear that the source of the organs for transplant are a living population kept alive by some form of livestock until their organs are needed. That was Representative Chris Smith from New Jersey talking at the Organ Procurement and Extrajudicial Executions in China Forum held by the Victims of Communism Memorial Foundation on March 10, 2020. This is This Week in Common Sense, starring Paul Jacob. Paul Jacob has been writing commentary on thisiscommonsense.com since 1999. And this week is a big week in the world, and it's not just about the coronavirus. Paul? So what Congressman Smith is saying is that the organ harvesting is happening with real people real alive people. They're not executing people and then taking the organs. They are keeping people alive in the same way that if you went to a seafood restaurant today, and of course, you know, with the uh, coronavirus, there are probably not any seafood restaurants open, but if there were, and you went there and you wanted a nice lobster, you might see a big tank of lobster swimming around in there. And one of those lobsters would be taken out and boiled and done, done up for you. That's what the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, has been doing for more than a decade now, for a couple of decades plus. Um, these allegations are, are old, but it doesn't appear to have stopped. They are basically um, blood testing and doing other medical tests on the people that they have in their custody. And especially it appears to prisoners of conscience, uh, Falun Gong practitioners, you know, China outlawed Falun Gong and basically has persecuted them since then. And there is a lot of suspicion and some testimony that they're doing the same thing with the Uyghurs. Uh, and likely with other political prisoners. They have a lot to choose from. It's a very uh, target-rich environment when you're throwing millions of people into concentration camps or prisons based on nothing more than you don't like their politics or their religion or what have you. And so uh, the charge is that China has basically used prisoners whether they're prisoners of conscience or, or otherwise, but especially prisoners of conscience, as living, breathing organ donors to be put onto a table and put under and murdered as they're ripping their organs out. And this is eyewitness accounts uh, of people who've seen their loved ones uh, with their organs removed, uh, who saw them the day before and they were fine. Uh, this is uh, looking at all the transplants that are happening and how fast they can transplant uh, in the United States and other places around the world, it's tough to match them up because you don't know when someone's going to die. Well, the Communist Party in China has solved that little riddle because they can make you die whenever they want. And this is outrageous. It's not gotten the play it should because, of course, a lot of people want to make money in China. And <laughs> I have nothing against making money. I just don't want people to be viciously murdered and, 
and folks for their religious beliefs or other political beliefs or for no damn reason at all to be put into prisons and used as guinea pigs, as lobsters uh, for somebody else's dinner. This is, and it, it'd be one thing if, you know, some people, I, I posted this on Facebook and I had several trolls who, oh no, this is all made up. It's all the CIA. Well, you know, if this cut against type for the CCP, if this was the sort of thing where, wait a second, every other bit of evidence we have is that this could never go on there, well, then maybe you'd listen to that for just a nanosecond. But let's face it, we know they've got a million, maybe two, maybe three million Uyghurs in concentration camps. They admit that they're brainwashing them out of their religious and ethnic uh, culture. Um, this is a society where for, for decades and decades, uh, after starving tens of millions of people to death, uh, after the Cultural Revolution, where if you were deemed to be too by bourgeoisie, uh, uh, bourgeois, I guess, uh, <laughs> hey, I'm a, I'm, a, uh, I'm a dumb American, what can you say? Uh, it's a French word. How are we supposed to know? I mean, we can eat your fries, but that's about it. Um, so anyway, uh, you know, for decades, uh, other than starving their people, they also had a one-child policy. And what the one child policy, I know in the United States said, you know, it always seemed to be, let's argue our own abortion things. Like we couldn't just set aside our own problems for one second to consider a new somebody else's problem. But, uh, but it was always buried in abortion. I remember Molly Yard with the National Organization of Women saying that China's one child policy was courageous. But the one child policy, and nobody really disputes this, led the Chinese authorities to basically murder kids and they they you know that were born that their parents wanted this isn't about choice and abortion this is about murdering kids because you don't want too many kids in your country um, and of course you know it also became clear that in some cases they were then taking the excess kids and and uh, basically selling them uh, so that people could adopt them. Uh, what has gone on with in China uh, at all different levels? We don't have any real question that it's a totalitarian society where they think nothing of imprisoning people for no reason, murdering them for no good reason, uh, never allowing them to speak out or vote or have any control over their own society. 25 Politburo members of the Chinese Communist Party make all the decisions for 1.4 billion people. So if you think that that's grand and that's a nice thing, well, then you might question this organ harvesting thing. And organ harvesting just sounds like, like you're farming. This is murder. This is murder and selling the body parts. That's what it is. And of course, the Chinese authorities for a long time denied it. Then in 2015, they admitted it had gone on, but they were stopping it. Uh, actually, it was a little earlier than that, that they admitted it and said they were stopping it. Then it turned out, no, they weren't stopping it. And then they said, well, it's taken us some time to stop it. The truth is there's evidence it continues to this day. So 
this is a regime, and, and I'm not, you know, I'm not suggesting that, you know, we go to war with China tomorrow. I'm not trying to rattle sabers. I'm trying to get people, and we have done, as you know, Tim, a lot on Hong Kong and, and uh, Tiananmen Square because of the 30th anniversary last year, and because that's an event that deeply affected me in terms of, of just realizing how critical, you know, democracy is not perfect. And when I say democracy, I'm talking about votes uh, where you also have basic fundamental human rights that aren't at the ballot box up for grabs every time. Um, and that's the way most people understand democracy as having the rule of law and protections for basic human rights as we decide who our leaders will be. But, uh, but what happened in Tiananmen Square just really moved me and I've always been interested. And then it seems like after we saw the butchers of Beijing and saw their true colors, the world went asleep. And now we see people in Hong Kong against all odds fighting to maintain whatever level of freedom they can hold on to. We see China threatening Taiwan. We see China its tentacles everywhere, including in universities in Australia and the United States, where some university professor says something and all of a sudden he's muzzled because they want the Chinese students and their dollars. Uh, they want the other stuff that, that China is pumping in. I got a newspaper today. I got the Washington Post delivered. And I also got the Epic Times delivered. Now, the Epic Times is calling the Wuhan virus, that's what they call it in Taiwan. In the United States, Trump has started calling it the China virus. But I think the best name is the one that the Epic Times has, which is the CCP virus. Let's not blame the people of China. It's not their fault. It's the Chinese Communist Party who hid it. And there have been many articles written about, had they been more transparent, uh, this might not have spread all over the world in the way that it has. But, but anyway, to, to make a long story short, we have to face reality. And what the Chinese Communist Party is doing there to 1.4 billion people and what they're doing around the world, we've got to open our eyes and not facilitate it and not pretend it's not happening. I, I look at the way the Washington Post has kind of gone after Trump for calling it the China virus. And maybe they're doing it totally straight. But I know that they have a supplement all the time because I receive the post. They constantly have a supplement that is paid for by the Chinese government. And of course, if it's any company in China that was doing it, of course, the Chinese government owns all those companies. So, and you know, we think about all this money that's being made in China, but it's only being made by people at the allowance of the Chinese government. And the Chinese government can take those companies or take those, the, anybody's money anytime they feel like it. So they are pumping money into the Washington Post on a regular basis. And I'm not alleging anything. Maybe the Washington Post takes that money and doesn't give it another thought. But if a politician were doing the same thing, I know the Washington Post wouldn't be okay with it. And frankly, I think the rest of us aren't okay with it either. And I think the first thing they should do before I'm going to buy any 
article in their paper, and I mean by buy, unfortunately, uh, my wife and I argue about, you know, I keep wanting to stop the Washington Post, and uh, and she wants a paper delivered every day. So anyway, uh, that, that's, uh, I think we're going to stay together, but but that's, uh, that's a, a, an issue of contention. When I say, I mean, I'm not going to believe their stories. I'm not going to read their stories about China without a very skeptical mind because I know they're getting money from China. And I think they ought to stop. I think they ought to tell the Chinese government, no, we're not going to take your money. We don't, we're not going to print your, your little insert into our paper. And then maybe I would believe them. So uh, we've got some issues with China and we're going to, at thisiscommonsense.com, we're going to continue to talk about it and we're going to continue to highlight it. And I don't have all the answers. If I did, I'd just flip that switch. I don't. But I think together, if we keep our eyes wide open, we will find ways to stop totalitarianism and to lift up freedom, not just for ourselves, but for people around the world. Because the truth is, we're not going to be safe if the whole rest of the world isn't safe. Uh, and, and, you know, when I think of what's happening in Hong Kong or the threats that they make, you know, they had, they had jets, uh, violating Taiwanese airspace this very week. And they've had them a couple weeks ago. And this is a regular thing that the Chinese do. And Taiwan's not going to be safe until the 1.4 billion people in China are safe. And so ultimately we've got to get rid of the CCP. And when I say we, I mean the people of the world will help, help in whatever way. But ultimately, I'd like to see the people of China be free. If, if you remember, I mean, if you're old like me and you remember what happened in Tiananmen Square in 1989, you know that the Chinese people are ready for it. Students occupied that square and millions of Chinese workers, older people were in solidarity. It reminds me of what happened in Hong Kong where we kept hearing that the, that the, the protesters were rioters and they're becoming more destructive and the people of Hong Kong are turning against them. And the reality was when they had the election in early December uh, and, and people got to vote, there were no pro-democracy candidates or, or office holders prior to that in these local offices that were on the ballot. And after the election, 87% of the seats were controlled by pro-democracy uh, candidates running against entrenched incumbents. So the, the, the people know this. The people of China are ready for freedom. The people everywhere are ready for freedom. It's finding a way to get rid of the tyrants. That's so darn difficult. But again, we're going to keep focus on it. We're going to keep our eyes wide open. And I'm convinced. If we do that and don't pretend and don't decide to sell out like the NBA or whoever, good things will in the end happen. And so you're commenting on Wednesday's piece, uh, Pandemics and Something Far Worse. That was March yeah. 18th. Basically, it was kind of a summary of the problem in the context of the coronavirus. Yes, and it was in the context because, of course, um, I'm going into town. And for the first time, I'm a little bit nervous about going into town. And then, of course, most people don't know that this virus uh, and SARS came from China. And part of the reason it came from China is that they have these animal markets 
that are just disgusting and disgusting in the in the sense that they just produce disease they have animals in close quarters on top of each other uh and and the chinese government has encouraged uh all this trade and exotic animals and and because they want their people to make money however they can make money they don't seem to care at all about the environment um and so it's you know it's a dangerous thing and then of course it's pretty clear that they covered some of that up so china does have some responsibility not not the land mass not the poor people of china but the chinese communist party and it's why the epic times is correct let's call it the ccp virus um, because they are largely responsible for it and and of course they're responsible for other crimes real crimes against humanity i mean you could you could look at the virus and say well you know they didn't purposely do it well what they're doing to the uyghurs what they did to falun gong uh what they do to anyone who believes that they have the right to say what they think is a crime against uh, uh, humanity and it is 110% purposeful. So anyway, that's uh, that was, I think, an important thing. Just We're just giving information. We don't have all the answers, but, uh, but we've got to know the truth and we got to keep our eyes open to it. And I may be wrong here, but my understanding is that one reason the Chinese people eat such bizarre foods is that during the communist days, the real full-out communist uh, cultural revolution, the whole nine yards, people were starving. And they would they started eating all sorts of weird stuff, and they developed yes. a taste for it. Yes, no, that's absolutely right. And they and they and they encouraged these markets because they they figured we're going to allow a certain amount of capitalism uh, because they knew this would help us not have so many people starving. Um, I'm sure they were worried about their own position and power, not the people, but but it made sense in the same way that after the Soviet Union was going for while and had starved you know millions and millions of people they started instead of collectifying collectivizing all the farms a hundred percent and killing a lot of the people who knew how to farm they allowed people to take i believe it was one percent maybe it was three I, I don't remember the exact percentage but they allowed people to use a small percentage one three five uh, of their land to grow food for themselves or to sell to others. And that percentage of the land soon produced 25% of the overall food. Just shows you what happens when you allow people to work hard for their own benefit. And, and of course, it wasn't just their benefit, it fed other people they didn't even maybe know who otherwise would have starved to death. So it's, I mean, you know, it's, it's easy. Someone, uh, you know, was joking on, on Facebook uh, this week uh, in, in a, a comment about some of this stuff said, well, you know, communism doesn't sound so bad. Uh, you know, you, you can retire. They were saying in China, uh, workers can retire at 58 or something, or, you know, you'd get all kinds of benefits. And I pointed, and of course they asserted this, I don't think that it's absolutely, it has any semblance of truth, but the idea was that, you know, in, in Norway or Sweden or in the United States, there's a certain welfare state. And the idea is that under communism, that would be spread large so that we'd have a really big, robust welfare state. 
Well, not at all. That's not how communism works. That's how a free market or relatively free market capitalist country helps people because they've got the largesse. In a communist country, if you decide you don't want to work, there's someone who comes to your door and will drag you to, to work if you don't go to work voluntarily. There's, people aren't sitting home and waiting for their welfare check in the, in the old Soviet Union, and they're not doing that today in China, I assure you. If you like a free ride, stay in the West. Stay in free market capitalist societies. Because in a communist society, there ain't no free ride. Nobody, nobody was living high on the hog in Pol Pot's Cambodia or in the Soviet Union or in China in until recently when they produced a lot of billionaires and other people because they allowed some market incentives. But that doesn't make them free market or capitalist. It means they're using some of the capitalist or free market devices. And of course, those can be a little bit different in that oftentimes what we call free market capitalism is completely state regulated or even state you know, controlled uh, capitalism. And that's what, that's what China is. They're state capitalist where the people running things have tremendous power and have realized they're gonna get richer and more powerful by allowing a certain amount of economic freedom. But what they can't allow is any political freedom because if they allow political freedom, they're out on their keister and they know that. So no matter how rich they get, I don't want to be a billionaire if it means I can't say what I think, if it means I don't have any freedom. Wealth is not, you know, I, I support free market capitalism because I think it's the most moral form of government. It's, it allows people to do what they want and make their own choices, even if I disagree with those choices. And I think that's the way it should be. I shouldn't be able to control my neighbor unless he's, unless he's hurting me in some real way. If he wants to do something I don't think makes sense, that's his life and he should be able to live it. Um, so, so that's why I like free market capitalism. The fact that it produces tremendous wealth and abundance is a, a really nice added advantage, but it's not the core reason. And, uh, and so, you know, if you want to give me a billion dollars and put me in a cage, no thanks. I'd rather be a lot poorer and be able to roam this beautiful world free. Thank you for tuning in to This Week in Common Sense, starring Paul Jacob. Paul Jacob can be read five days a week at thisiscommonsense.com. My name is Timothy Verkula. You can find me under my handle at Workman on social media and at LocoFocoNet and other locations on the web. You can access the audio version of this podcast at SoundCloud.com, where it is hosted, and retrieve it using Stitcher and other podcast distributors. Thank you.